0: What do you get when you mix Roman culture, or Romanian culture, British culture, and general American horniness? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hey guys, I am Thomas. Unfortunately, Alex cannot be here today. Unfortunately for him, it's movies, damn it, work. They uh, They called him in. They made him work. But fortunately, I have just the person to talk about this movie with me today all the way from don't you there say it's london england it's m from verbal diorama hello hey there hi it's a little bit of a long way to get get to introducing you but you're worth it
1: oh thank you <laughs> i'm i'm really really happy to be here i'm um i'm obviously a little bit disappointed um that uh, alex can't
0: be here but uh, but you've got me instead so yes. uh, well done you yeah Hey, you know, if if I'm gonna have some, you know, I basically I needed somebody here to help me spoon over Keanu Reeves, and if Alex <laughs> isn't gonna be here, you're you're the perfect way to go on that.
1: You needed someone with an actual British accent instead of a completely fake British accent.
0: <laughs> I needed somebody who could say Carfax Abbey without it getting a little too jarbled in their mouth. <laughs> Why do you want me to do it? Uh, go for it.
1: Okay. Um, Carfax Abbey?
0: Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
2: <laughs> I can say all sorts of words.
0: <laughs> this will be a very long episode if I just see her going, oh, can you say this? <laughs>
1: oh, trust me, I'm I'm pretty used to that from speaking to other podcasters from all around the world. I tend to <laughs> kind of, you know, launch into a tirade of, uh, you know, what, what do you want me to say in a, in a British accent? Because, uh, Apparently, people seem to like British accents. You know,
0: I find accents to be a lot of fun. Um, I I try to avoid doing them because I feel like I'm just going to offend people. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's it's one of those things that I notice. Like other accents, they get to you know, like oh, say this, say this, say this, say this. You get to an American, say hamburger. <laughs> Like, we're good, just say hamburger and we'll be set. And We can move on from there. Um,
1: I, to be honest, I I am a big fan of, of accents in general, and I've always said I am a big fan of an American accent, but I've never, ever asked an American person to say hamburger. But now, I feel <laughs> like this is obviously what I need to be doing in my life. Now maybe you're going to be doing it all the this, time. Maybe this is what I've been missing this whole time is asking an American person to say hamburger. Clearly, this is where I've been going wrong all my life.
0: <laughs> well, if people want to start flooding the, uh, the Twitter feed for Verbal Diorama with videos of American accents saying hamburger, they now know that they can do that and it will be welcomed.
1: It will be absolutely welcomed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... The the first thing for 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 me with this movie that I did not realize until last night is that this was a very popular movie for my wife when she was like eleven. Mm,
1: yes, it was a very popular movie for me at a similar age as well.
0: <laughs> and she, it's one of those things where she looks back now. She didn't notice because this this is easily the horniest film that we've ever done on our show. I don't know about yours, but for us, it's definitely.
1: Oh, well, I'm, um, I'm explicit free, um, on, on verbal diorama. So I haven't actually kind of gone into a, you know, gone to a sexy kind of movie. Um, because I suppose it's very difficult to talk about a movie such as this without, you know, maybe going a bit higher than like PG 13 or something. Yeah. Um, that's another reason why I'm really glad that I'm here because (laughs) I can uh, really kind of go into it, and um, I'm assuming I can swear as well. Uh,
0: you are more than welcome to.
1: I, okay, so um, this movie is fucking porn, and it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I love it.
0: It really is. It really like I a decent amount of my notes are asking people to stop having an orgasm in the middle of a scene. <laughs> the it it there's a there's a lot of that in, in my notes cuz it seemed to be everyone's general response to ever I mean literally at one point Winona Ryder is having an orgasm while being told about someone committing suicide and she's just standing holding on to the wall like like give me one more minute <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> And, I mean, it's just like, you know, that's obviously what turns women on. I mean, clearly, uh, someone's committed suicide. Oh, my God, that's so hot. Um,
0: you know, I... <laughs> apparently, uh, I, I've been just... I just didn't know women even more than I thought I didn't know women. Because <laughs> um, there were so many things in this movie that I just kept going, Really? This? This is doing it for you. Well...
1: I certainly remember this movie differently to when I was like maybe sort of preteen kind of teenage. I can't remember exactly how old I was when I first saw this movie, but this movie was definitely a bit of a sexual awakening for me uh, because I distinctly remember having to ask my older cousins what was going on (laughs) and they had to explain, I think. Really, what I'm saying is, is my parents did not give me the birds and bees talk. Yeah. It was my older cousins, and it was this movie. So basically, every oh. single relationship that I've ever had is probably based on this movie. And that is a terrible thing, because as I'm going to explain later, the movie sucks at romance. It's just
0: ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't... Yeah, there's not a single couple you want to be like In this movie Oh, absolutely not um, Yeah, no And for the funny thing though for me Weird little bit of I guess Worrisome trivia for me I have a very blunt mother Who's in the medical field So I was somewhere between three and five years old And I asked her where babies came from And she just told me I never believed in a stork. I never believed in blue light at Kmart, any of that sort you know, any of the the cliches. I got the, like, medical textbook explanation for it at a very young age. So I remember watching this movie. I only got about an hour through it when I was a kid when I watched it because I was just like, isn't this supposed to be, like, scary and violent? Where's all the scary violence? I'm going to watch something else. (laughs) Yeah. Because that was the same way.
1: The scary violence is replaced by porn.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like, we don't have scary violence. We do have random breasts. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, for some reason, then, even then, at that age, I was like, I'm good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I suppose you've got to be. I think to appreciate this movie for what it really is, I think you have to be of a of a certain age. Because I definitely didn't appreciate this movie for actually what it does really well yeah. back then um, because I was stupid and I thought oh it's so sweet because it's a love story and he's loved her for like 400 years or something, wow that's really cool but actually <laughs> that part's awful um, but we can, we can obviously talk about you know sort of the movie itself and what not but um, yeah it's um, Basically, ladies and gentlemen, do not, uh, if you want to romance your, your lady or your gentleman, um, in your life, do not follow the example set in this movie. Follow none of them. (laughs) Do not stalk someone. Um,
0: if you, if you, yeah, don't cheat. If there's somebody on the street who's politely asking you questions and you find them moderately attractive, don't randomly tell them off. And then walk yes. o- then like walk halfway down the street and turn around and go, I'm sorry, I'm being rude. What were you saying? Wanna hang out? <laughs> I know she's
1: so rude to him when he's just asking her for directions. It's yeah. it's hilarious. The script in this movie is really
0: bad. The but- the script in this movie <laughs> It's like a lot of movies during during the nineties, quite frankly, where they really—it's really, really obvious that nobody knows how to write women or write women talking to each other.
1: Oh, don't you know that when women get together, all we do is basically talk about like men's penises and stuff. That's,
0: that's See, I
1: thought that was fact.
0: I had heard rumors.
1: Yeah, yeah. but when, when again, most
0: of those rumors friend. were from men, so why no, take them seriously? Don't
1: you big group of friends uh when we all get together it's literally you know how big's your husband's penis how big's your boyfriend's penis and that's and that's just generally how you and then you know we sit there reading you know uh Jane Austen books and but you know occasionally some of us do have pictures of the Kama Sutra uh sort of inserted in and then you know when it falls out we giggle a little bit oh look at that position um I'm not but We're doing that with Harold tonight.
0: <laughs> but then the, the, the last cliche, though, the pillow fights. I always hear about those. Where, where do those fit in?
1: Oh, um, that's after the, the penis talk and the Kama Sutra. Uh, okay. and then, then it kind of progresses.
0: Oh, I see um, how you pace it out. That makes sense.
1: <laughs> this, is, this is a genuine representation of how every woman talks to other women genuinely it's so accurate it's it's
0: undeniable well i will say that while i feel like i i I will say this movie does generally have a good grasp of men which is they're pretty much all being antisocial, feeling sorry for themselves and then that one weird dude comes through who's just rambling off the top of his head the whole time which thank goodness they picked anthony hopkins to be that guy in this movie
1: yeah, cuz he's basically really only there for exposition. So <laughs> He's
0: he's there for, yeah, he's there exclusively for exposition so much so that at one point he proclaims, you know, uh, you know, it's the it's the guy he's always, you know, he's been fighting this guy for ages, but it took him till reading a book about the history of said guy to go, "Oh, I think it's him." <laughs> um, which Let's in in the history of film. I don't think we've ever figured out how to have an expositional character. I think I think that's just an inevitable downside. I mean,
1: no, you see, I think that there is one trilogy of movies where the expositional character is perfect, um, and it's completely off topic, but I'm going to go there anyway. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put in the ring that the Austin Powers trilogy with Basil exposition. Basil exposition is the perfect. I
0: stand corrected. (laughs) I stand so. I stand so corrected. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: obviously, you know, Austin Powers, famous British spy. um, Yes. I'm sure I met him once actually. (laughs) Um, and um, yeah. There you go, Basil exposition.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. They they (laughs) if if only all expositional characters could be like Basil exposition. Um. (laughs) But they, I mean, they do, if if for nothing else, the fact that it's Francis Ford Coppola directing the film did result in them getting a, a pretty phenomenal cast for this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, literally the second I saw Richard E. Grant and Carrie Always showing up on screen, I went, okay, well, no matter what, I'm going to enjoy this movie, so... I would, I would, I want to see Richard E. Grant get to play someone who's sober throughout an entire movie, but <laughs> maybe I'm just being picky.
1: He's really great, actually. Uh, I I often find that with with actors like Richard E. Grant, I, I often find that he's very underrated a lot of the time. Oh, I believe Wasn't wasn't he up for an award last year? I haven't seen the movie that he, he was. was, in. was,
0: it, he, was he was up for supporting. He was up for supporting. Supporting actor for Can You Ever Forgive Me?
1: Can You Ever Forgive Me? The movie
0: with uh, Melissa McCarthy.
1: Yeah. And I I kind of feel like he's been in movies for 20, 30 years, and he's all of a sudden, like, last year it was like, oh, Richard E. Grant, you know, do you remember him kind of thing?
0: No, it was definitely one of those things where you got a lot of people just suddenly going... Oh, have you heard about this great guy Richard E. Grant? And then the other half of people going, "Yeah, yeah, we've known for a while. Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> like this guy's awesome. We we exactly. always like <laughs> we we think he's fantastic. Like
1: he is. He was fantastic. I remember a little rom com. Um, he was in I think it was mid mid nineties. I think early to mid nineties called Jack and Sarah. Mm-hmm. He's so good in Jack and Sarah. Um, and, yeah, I, Richie Grants, obviously, well, he's British, so obviously he's a legend. Yes. But I, I, I kind of feel like um, he is one of those that is generally underrated. And obviously, Cary um, Elwes as well, as, you know, he's Wesley. I mean, this yeah. movie has Wesley in it. Yes, the movie, <laughs>
0: the movie has Wesley and the best Robin Hood that's ever been on film.
1: Well, because unlike any other Robin Hood, I can speak with an English accent.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is one of my favorite Robin Hood movies because it's just so hilarious. I still, I still sing the songs um, all the time. I the, <laughs> the I, We're men, manly men, men in time, time. I love it.
0: I still argue Mel Brooks should have made that into a Broadway musical instead of Young Frankenstein.
1: Oh God, yes!
0: He already had half, half the music the done for the show, so. Uh,
1: that and Spaceballs. Spaceballs was is just one of my favorite movies growing up. Was watching Spaceballs, and I just think it's brilliant.
0: Oh yeah, uh, um, he's yeah, he's one of my all time favorite directors. Um, his, I mean, obviously, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein are the ones he's known best for. But like, silent movie, silent movies, just amazing.
1: Oh, I've not seen it.
0: It's, it, I mean, it's it's exactly what it is. It's a it's a silent movie where it's him, Marty Feldman, and Dom DeLuise driving around trying to get a movie made. But it's a silent film, but it has a bunch of celebrities, none of whom have speaking lines, because it's a silent movie. Um, but it's a, it's a great little mixture of homage and parody.
1: I will see if I can find it. Thank you for the recommendation.
0: Always. <laughs> I'm, I'm, always I'm always for recommending for people. Um, but, yeah, um, now, I, I do remember with with Dracula, when it originally came out, it got backlash because of Dracula being out in the daytime, because people don't realize vampires actually can go out in the sun.
1: Well, and I think it depends on your interpretation of vampire law, because I think that generally, obviously Dracula and, and vampires are fictional. So mm. different, uh, there are many different interpretations of vampire law. Um, and I think that the original kind of Dracula novelization is probably the, that's kind I think it's kind of seen as canon, isn't it? Sort of in most movies that, you know, that Dracula, um, can and can't do certain things. And then other kind of influences have come along over time with things like the aversion to garlic and, um, the, Oh, they can't go out in the daylight or they sparkle, but let's not even go there. Let's not even go with the sparkling vampires right now. We'll, we'll skip
0: over the sparkling vampires. Um, (laughs) well, no, it was actually, um, I, I learned this while, when I was in college, um, doing, study studying the movie, but the original 1920s Nosferatu, the, the German film, they are the ones who added the... that sunlight kills them. And okay. they did it specifically so that way, at the time, there was no risk of, like, copyright infringement or just being told that they were a, a rip-off. So... That was actually where the uh the whole sunlight thing came from, mm-hmm. but because that was one of the first big popular vampire movies, and people have kind of adapted it over the years so once this Dracula movie came out, it basically became part of the the core rules of a vampire but was not part of the origin the the original rules that the the movie followed mm-hmm. so a lot I remember they got a lot of there there were a lot of people that gave the movie flack for for him going out into the sun
1: but he is he's pretty covered up I mean he's got a hat and glasses and you know it's not like he's out there with no clothes on and, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's
0: um, he's pretty covered up and it's you know given given that like bursting out of the coffin once he's been made young again uh, we're all the loss for it because he definitely um, uses all the blood on that boat to turn himself into a beefcake to a certain extent.
1: And, I mean, I think we we have to give Gary Oldman literally every credit in the book for the just the general kind of gravitas of his performance. Oh, and yeah. What he brings to this movie. If there was no Gary Oldman in this movie, it just, I don't think it would be as well received as it is because I think he carries a lot of this movie on his incredibly handsome shoulders.
0: (laughs) He absolutely does. And I, I agree. I don't think there's a single other actor that was out there at the time of this movie being made that was, that was working that could have played the role that could have played the different um, forms and ages of, of Dracula so succinctly as he does. Um,
1: it's, it's really incredible, to, 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 especially when you know that every single version, pretty much, of, of Dracula in this movie, um, you know, minus obviously when he's missed, <laughs> is Gary Oldman. You know, it's Gary Oldman looking Gary Oldman. It's Gary Oldman in some incredible makeup work. I mean, the makeup work is absolutely outstanding in this movie for not just Gary Oldman, but also Sadie Frost a bit later Mm -hmm. on. Um, I mean, this, this movie is absolutely gorgeous. It, it really is just so beautiful.
0: And it has, it has a great visual style to it. mm. Um, I even like as campy as it kind of is, I even like at the beginning of the movie when he's out in battle. If you look into the very, very far back, like as far back as you can look, the little groups of armies that are back there are the little um, puppet guys that are at the the carnival that they're at when the when the the wolf gets loose, and you can see that each one has like one arm that can move back and forth, and that's it. I had I hadn't even noticed. Yeah, well I've, I. I had to restart the movie about fifteen minutes in because I realized that it was not normal that the uh that the subtitles for the Romanian were not coming through at all. Oh
1: right, yeah. So yeah, I watched. kinda need the
0: subtitles. Yeah, I watched that whole prologue going, so what's his plan exactly right <laughs> now? Cause they're kinda arguing and then he just stabs the cross he drinks <laughs> yeah. the blood, and then he gets really upset, and then it just cuts to the title card. So I'm not sure what his plan was. Yeah. <laughs> I get the feeling it failed, <laughs> and then I rewatched the scene, this uh, with the yeah. the subtitles finally being on there, and was just like, "Oh, okay, yeah, okay, this makes a whole lot of sense now." Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I, I, I do kind of think that kind of set up for dracula's becoming so to speak i do think that's quite important because i think if this movie just started with jonathan harker just you know oh i'm going over to transylvania you know to do some legal stuff you'd be like what you know that's boring you know no one cares about law and legal stuff yeah um and i think i think it works really well in this well I don't like the romance in this movie. I think it's... I like parts of it. We can talk about the parts that I like a bit later. But this this whole kind of setting up of this, you know, love story between, uh, you know, essentially Vlad the Impaler and his uh, wife who um, believes that he's dead in battle because the opposition have sent a message to say that he's died yeah. when he hasn't, he's still alive. And so she commits suicide and obviously suicide is seen as, um, a
0: great mortal selfish sin.
1: thing to do. No. And so that means she can't kind of pass through to heaven, uh, or, or something. Um, and so she's basically damned for all eternity and, and, And I really love that Gary Oldman can kind of get his chops into all of this. This is why this character is the way that he is. This is why he's renounced God. This is why he's essentially um, in an eternal damnation himself and he's become this undead creature because of his love for this woman, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, But I think that's really important to, to, to set that up. And I don't kind of get that Anthony Hopkins kind of cameo in as the priest.
0: Oh, I did. Um, I did like that. I I, I I I noted that it was that he was in his best Ian Holm disguise. <laughs>
1: I just I I mean I don't know if they were trying to play on the fact that maybe he was an ancestor of Van Helsing. I
0: something. think that was. I think the concept was was that that's how far back the lineage of the Hel- right. the Van Helsing's dealing with. Um with the the order of the dragon goes
1: right okay well um yeah i i i just i really like that intro and i really love that it. it just kind of goes straight into the title card and it's it basically tells you everything that you need to know so there and then. This is the setup and this is what you're watching. You are watching Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I actually found really uh, an interesting story that it's not just called Dracula, it's called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Uh, and that was because another studio owned the rights to just the word Dracula, so they couldn't use Dracula, They but they could use Bram Stoker's mm. Dracula. So that's why it's called Bram Stoker's Dracula and not just Dracula.
0: Well, and it's always it's also a nice way to kind of give you kind of give it kind of a feeling of prestige, because they also around the same time had Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and with Kenneth Branagh, and then the Kenneth Branagh William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Um, it it seemed like a weird trend at the time. I'm not sure if this movie started it or not, but.
1: Uh, I'm not sure when Mary Shelley's Frankenstein came out, actually. I think it might have been a couple of years later for Frankenstein, but uh, I'm not 100% on that. Because I don't don't tend to watch many horror movies generally, and like I say, this isn't a horror movie, so (laughs) I'm happy to watch this because it's literally just sex.
0: (laughs) Frankenstein's not necessarily a horror movie either, but that's mainly just because it's really fucking bad. Um...
2: It,
0: I, I, I can't, I've seen it, but. Yeah, it's, I I watched it thinking, hey, it's got, I like Kenneth Branagh, so I'll like this, and about half an hour into the movie, I'm sitting there going, oh no, oh, I'm in for a long one. <laughs> I mean, I felt that a little bit with this one at times, but this, this, at least the, the relationships were not me going, so wait, are they related or not? There's a, there's a lot of sitting there during Frankenstein going, okay, I need the movie to pause and confirm whether or not this is brother and sister before I'm willing to get behind their romance. Because right now I can't figure out if they are or not. <laughs> yeah. That,
1: that, you know, this
0: movie is obviously very sexy, but that is not very sexy. Mm, no, all. <laughs> no. It's very, it's a very not sexy thing. Um, as like, and the. That's the thing with this movie is like, it's very much about the sex, but I, for me, I guess I just, I had like the weird, like looking through everything too much from a film standpoint, I guess, because I even got to the point where like they have the moment where, um, Mia and Lucy are kissing in the rain. And I literally, my immediate thought to that was why does Dracula need them to do that? Who is that helping? What is this working towards?
1: That is not the intended
0: reaction. I doubt it was. I get, I'm very, uh, as. Sorry, that's weird. I, as as my friends will joke all the time, my nickname in college was Grandpa, and <laughs> um, and it was in part because it was partially due to a, a bit that one of my friends and I would do all the time. It was also partially due to the fact that I liked movies that were older than me, which for some reason at a film school was crazy. Um, seriously, I had a kid ask what this is. Spinal Tap is teacher threw a chair at him deservedly so um but i also end up doing that with movies where like you know i sit there i remember i i mean literally one of my friends and i we started watching the l word and he and i would sit there and watch it and we'd groan during the sex scenes because it'd be like come on we does she have cancer or not that's what matters so well it, it felt very much like going back to those days where i was just like what who is this helping?
1: Yeah, almost like it's um, it's just there for kind of titillation rather than yeah. Oh, this is progressing the plot in some meaningful way. It w- um,
0: yeah, it's just like this is this is just like filler filth. Like that's all <laughs> that's all this is right now. Um,
1: it, I mean, I was I was very happy for a lot of the uh, the filth. Um, In this movie. And and, and honestly, a lot of it surprised me in a sense that I remember it being sexier in parts that weren't actually all that sexy now. And I'm like, how did I remember that differently? But then the bits... There were bits that I never found particularly memorable or sexy before. And now I'm like, fucking hell, that is so hot. Like, and specifically... (laughs) The bit where Monica Bellucci comes up between Keanu Reeves' legs, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I need a fan or something. Like this is seriously hot. Well, like, yeah. What I would give to be Monica
0: Bellucci in that. Well, thing? yeah. I mean, oh, what? Well, and that, again, that's where my my brain is, just does not function properly. I guess, um, but. The, especially like that that part came out and I was like yeah that's hot that yeah and, but then the they they had the the one of the other brides like rise up in the bed mm-hmm. and i like half of my brain is going okay yeah that's 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 kind of hot too the other half of my brain is going. So, what did that platform look like? How did they? How is the mechanics of getting the bed to do that? How does that look like? My the like part of my brain immediately went into into the territory they didn't want me to go into. Right, no, but
1: I completely, I can completely actually agree with you on that because. I am a big fan of practical effects and I kind of, I always kind of talk on my podcast about how much I love practical effects over CGI because I think they look better Mm -hmm. and this movie is, it's like 99% practical. There are a couple of small kind of visual effects that they they put in. They're very, very small Mm -hmm. Um, but everything else is practical and it's, absolutely stunning but that scene with the bed and with her kind of right I was like I was like you I was like oh my god this scene is so hot like this is amazing but how did they do that like how did they when because it's got like this beautiful I don't even know the fabric but it's like a really strange like fabric sheet kind of thing but it looks really like ethereal and like really light and yeah I don't know what that fabric is but and then she just kind of rises up and it's like, how? That, that It just looks so incredible. And like you, I'm like, what does that look like underneath? Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how like, did they do that? I want to know. Can
0: everyone get that? off of the bed, move to the side for a minute? We need to move the blankets off. I want to see how this looks. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, yeah, Keanu, you're looking great. And Jesus Christ, he looks great in this movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, can we just like move the sheet and just have a look <laughs> at all of these practical effects and how they did them? Um, because I mean, this movie is so, it's so gorgeous and it's, it's done so well. And Mm -hmm. I I love this movie for the practical effects and for the cinematography and for the casting of Gary Oldman. Yes. (laughs) Um,
0: I, I think the, the, um, the, the effects team and the, the character work, I think those are the two strongest parts of this film. Um, with production design and cinematography at a photo finish behind them. I think those are the things that this movie, like you're not going, you know, if someone's watching this movie, they're not watching it for the writing, you know, they're not watching it for, for the romance. They're not watching it for, for, you know, you're watching it for those things. And in all (laughs) those areas, it succeeds.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely, you're not watching it for uh, the best Keanu Reeves performance that you'll have ever seen in your life. However, <laughs> I will, I will follow that man until my dying day, and I, I do have a very genuine affection for him in this movie, basically. Because, not only just because of how awful he is, and how good looking he is, and how terribly miscast he is, because he really is, but because he's at least trying.
0: He's, he is putting his heart and soul into it, and I even noticed at one, at one the I forget which scene it was, but there was one scene where I just went, honey, your voice might might be British, but all your physical actions, those are American. and I I feel for him because I read I read that this was like his third or fourth movie in a row Mm. and that he He had told uh, yeah he was basically like beyond exhausted and he did the movie pretty much because he knew working with Francis Ford Coppola was a big deal Um, so part of it is exhaustion now I would like to compare his accent in this to Much Ado About Nothing and see what his excuse was for that one, but <laughs> I think he was more properly cast in Much Ado About Nothing than he was in this one.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that I, I read that Francis Ford Coppola basically wanted a, essentially a heartthrob in the movie. I mean, look, Francis, dude, you've got Barry Oldman. I mean, he's pretty hot. I would well, definitely if if nineteen ninety two Gary Oldman knocked on my door. Actually, if nowadays Gary Oldman knocked on my door, I, I probably wouldn't say no. But I, I kind of feel like he's he's more Keanu's in this movie is more of a stunt cast casting decision than I, than anything. Um, but I really do think he is trying his best, and I. I kind of feel a little bit like some people are unnecessarily mean, and, and I know we've talked a lot about Twitter, the the fact that I, I always like to be a bit more positive, <laughs> maybe, um, <laughs> about certain movies and certain people in certain movies, um, you know. Certain movies like Jupiter ascending maybe um, <laughs> but uh, and, and, John, and John Carter um, <laughs> for that matter um, but i I do feel that people are sometimes unnecessarily mean, and you know this is a guy who he was considerably in demand at the time and oh, yes. he was he was the 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 heartthrob I mean he still is because Jesus fucking Christ he's gorgeous yeah. But, um
0: <laughs> I love my wife, but I'm not pulling back of Elaine's emphasis. I'm I have no shame in admitting that. And so you
1: shouldn't, because he's he's I swear to God, he's the perfect man. Like, every man in the world should aspire to be more like Keanu Reeves. I mean, obviously not every man can look like Keanu Reeves, although, you know, if guys want to give that a go, then by all means give it a go. But he he just comes across as a really kind of genuine, nice, kind yeah. person. Um, and I just I just love him. <laughs> but yeah, for for this I think people are unnecessarily mean and he he's trying his best. Yes, he was miscast. That's kinda of not his fault. At the end of the day he's an actor, he's gonna like you say, he's you get they, an offer to work with Francis Ford Coppola, you're gonna say yes.
0: They could have <laughs> turned him down if they wanted to.
1: Exactly. So, you know, um, and and to be fair, you know, Winona Ryder, she does fare slightly better in the accent stakes, but not by that much. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very skin skin of her teeth.
1: Because she's kind of the female lead and um, all of that, but. Yeah, she kind she I heard a, a couple of slips into an American accent for Winona as well. But I'm not going to trash Winona Ryder because I love her as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. So.
1: Yeah,
0: well, and, and I mean, and I think the other thing with the casting of, of Keanu, especially, I absolutely agree. It was on a certain level, it was stunt casting. But I think also, you know, as we point pointed out, you know, Gary Oldman is not hard on the eyes in this film at all. Nope. Um,. So you kind of have to, you have to make it believable beyond just any like societal um, loyalty, you know, like being faithful anything like, you you know, you have to make it believe, you know, you have to have the audience not be like, dude, Dracula is hotter than your fiance. It's okay (laughs) to leave your fiance. You know, you, you don't really, you don't really want the audience going, look. I mean, Dracula's an eight, and your fiancé's, like, a four and a half, five if he, you know, combs his hair right. <laughs> it's okay. Go go be with Dracula. <laughs> I never thought
1: of it like that before, actually. But I think you're kind of right. You know, if you've got a choice between your supernatural, hot, desirable, you know, he's been in love with you for 400 years, guy, or your, you know... Guy. Attractive, <laughs> um, yeah, guy that you've been with just because, you know, your parents have set you up with him and so you feel like you've got to. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I hadn't actually thought of that in kind of the the way you would cast a movie like this, but it actually completely makes sense because if Dracula's going to be hot, then Jonathan needs to be at least as hot Yeah. <laughs> for the audience. Because at the end of the day... With a movie like this, the audience does not give a shit about the personality of your fiance, um, no. that Jonathan is funny and sweet and kind and all of that kind of stuff, because to be fair, we never see it anyway. I was about to say,
0: I'm the- sure he is off screen, <laughs> it's on screen. He's good at uh, writing letters. The,
1: the problem is <laughs> he is very good at writing letters and he has lovely handwriting. He does. Um, but... <laughs> Whether that's Keanu's actual handwriting, I'm not too sure. But the the problem that I have with the relationship between Mina and Jonathan specifically is we don't actually see that much of them together, so why are they even together? It doesn't actually Yeah don't have any kind of real love or passion or I mean I suppose that's kind of the society it's set in, you know, Mina is Portrayed as a very demure, very proper young lady and Lucy is kind of the alternative to that very, you know, it, not very promiscuous, but more promiscuous in those societal standards, um, a little bit more of a flirt. She's, um,
0: societally speaking, she's in a position where she can get away with being open about what she wants, which yeah. is sex
1: yes yeah and, and and Mina's obviously a little bit more timid and she's obviously got this fiance that she seems to know not very much about <laughs> I'm Not yeah. entirely but that's the thing I think that's kind of the problem is if we actually saw a bit more of Mina and Jonathan together you know maybe them out on a date like you know when Mina yeah. and Dracula go out on their special date um, we see them having fun and enjoying each other's company and flirting. Or, and, but we never see that with me even, and Jonathan. I...
0: E- even if, like, honestly, even if it had been something as simple as in their notes to, or letters to each other, they, you know, there were little inside jokes that they yeah. have between the two of them. Because then it's like, okay, well, at least they've got, like, they've talked, like, you know, right now I'm not sure how much they've done in terms of conversation besides the him complaining that he's poor the that seems to be one of the only things that she knows about him is that he's poor and he's not quite okay with it
1: yeah and and then we get like well to be honest I don't even think we see but there's this one scene where they're kind of sitting together and the camera kind of pans away and it's, there's like a peacock. Oh yeah. Coincidental <laughs> peacock tail that kind of covers them as assuming, well, I assume they kiss. I can't remember if we actually saw them kissing.
0: Well, they were Did kissing when the peacock feathers came in to make you think like, Oh, that's it. That they they decided to fuck in the middle of the garden where anyone can see. Okay. well, that's, obviously, That's up to them. But then, yeah, later she's like, all we've ever done is kiss and just like, you know, because you're talking to Lucy, I kind of believe you, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you know, like with Lucy, I can imagine that you would be, you would, you would tell her if for nothing else to get her to shut up. So if you're telling her you just kissed, I believe that you just kissed, even if, you know, we had a, a transition out of the scene that screamed they'd un-fucked.
1: I was sitting there with Keanu Reeves. I'd be
0: climbing him like a freaking tree. <laughs> I would at least be sitting on his lap like he was Santa Claus. Bare minimum. <laughs> That's the bare minimum.
1: I mean, yeah, you, you I just and the thing is, I I in the back of my mind, I'm constantly kind of thinking that obviously this this is set in like Victorian. Yeah. Times. women, you know, women were expected to behave in a certain way. Yeah. Um and and I do part of me does kind of think that you know that because sex before marriage was always kind of so frowned upon um that I often wonder like why why did Coppola choose to kind of tease the audience like that with the whole peacock thing? Because I kind of feel like look dude you're gonna You've got a movie where people are banging um, pretty much, uh, and it's it's a it's a very kind of sexually erotic kind of charged movie, and I kind of feel like it's not needed that that kind of little tease at the audience, like oh you know, but did they fuck? And but actually, we kind of realise after that they didn't, and it's it's kind of a bit pointless, really, well, because if. If Mina hadn't had that conversation with Lucy, then in our minds we'd be like, oh, but she did bang him because that peacock feather kind of just like masked them. Yeah. But to then say, well, actually, no, all we've done is kiss. Well, dude, you've just ruined it for me. Like, in yeah. my head, they were proper at it by that peacock.
0: Well, <laughs> and that's and that's the other thing for me that was, and that was so disbalanced with it. And I, and to, to preface this, I side on the on the the Mia approach of things, but when dealing with attraction to Dracula, Lucy she would sneeze and her breasts would be out. Like sneeze, yeah. light breeze, you know, moderate shift in bed, like anything, and she's she's exposed herself. Meanwhile, Winona Ryder's pulling down on her clothes with you know, the jaws of life and they still won't come out. And so you had like such two drastically different things going on in terms of their, the visual representation of their, their lust for Dracula. And again, I side more on, on the, the Mia side just cause I don't think you gain anything from all the, all the, you know, toplessness. Um, but yeah, when you had it so, like, so different, it just, Mm -hmm. everything just felt so inconsistent all the time.
1: Yeah, because I feel like, and this is one of the things that I actually really like about the kind of whole Dracula and and, and Mina thing kind of towards the end is the fact that he's essentially, he's, he's essentially a drug to her. Yeah. Because... You know, she has, you know, these little kind of fleeting glimpses of him and she's, you know, initially kind of quite interested because he's gorgeous and why wouldn't you be? And then, you know, she kind of gets to know him and you kind of feel like this kind of to and froing parts of the whole kind of romance. I still think don't work particularly well because I don't think that. Well, it's been highly noted that Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder didn't actually get on kind of during filming. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like some of that tension does kind of come through. But the scenes kind of at the end when Dracula visits her in the bed, when she's kind of staying at the asylum or the flat, I assume, mm-hmm. in the asylum. Um, oh, yeah.
0: In, in the doctor's apartment inside the yes, asylum. in the asylum. Yeah.
1: Um and he kind of visits her. Now, I I distinctly remember that scene being a hell of a lot more sexy. I In my head, they were, like, banging for hours. <laughs> but, but for some reason, I don't know whether I've got, like, a cut version of the DVD or something. Um, but, I mean, it was still sexy, but it wasn't as sexy as I remember it. And what? I'm not sure where I'm forgetting all of the banging that they were doing. But, but that scene is really good in a way that you know she's finally kind of succumbing to her desires for him and she mm-hmm. basically says look I want to be yours I want to be with you forever and they do the whole kind of he drinks from her and she drinks from him and it's it's all kind of very visceral and um, and then when the, the the guys and Jonathan break in and she's like immediately disgusted with herself and you know she's upset and she just it, it's almost like you know this guy is this guy is like a drug and i really love that i love that kind of portion of of the relationship in that you know some relationships can be like addictions yeah, you know because uh-huh. you know you can meet someone who you're so kind of sexually charged with or whatever and you can just all you think about is them you desire them you want to be with them and but then when you're with them and then the sex part is over and you've left and and then you just feel like oh my God, what have I just done? (laughs) And and that's, and I, I totally get that for Mina. And I, I think that particular part of the shame kind of, it's more, it's like a shame spiral because she's constantly, she, she wants him so badly, but then when she has him, she's just like, I don't, she doesn't understand why she's so kind of drawn to him. And, and obviously she's got Jonathan kind of in the background who's like, "Oh, my, uh, are they married by that point? I can't remember. Did they?" Yes.
0: That- yes, okay. cuz basically the after he leaves to go on the initial trip, they don't see each other. We don't see them together again until the wedding. So yeah, at that point, she is officially
1: okay. Mrs.
0: Harker, and she even she even keeps Oh, that's right. Re- reminding, um, Tom Waits, I'm spacing on yes. his character's name, but the criminally Renfield. underused in this movie, Tom Waits, Renfield, uh, she keeps re-, re reinstating to Renfield the fact that like, my name is Mrs. Harker.
1: Yes. I do remember that now specifically. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, obviously cheating is bad, um, you know, let's just get that out of the way. But Jonathan is no saint because he did yeah. have kind of a bit of an orgy with the three brides.
0: Well, and we so. do, es- we do establish when they're at dinner with Van Helsing after they've, after he's done away with Lucy, we do establish that she does know about that. Like Jonathan's been open and honest because they're talking about it in front of her. And she has no expression. Like this is just this is old news to her. I
1: I don't know. I kind of feel like it would still elicit some sort of um, reaction if you were constantly reminded about your husband's betrayal. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, but
1: you know, I I don't know. I don't I, know. Maybe that's just a choice for the for the, for the for the particular character. But,
0: it's it's um, a it's. I mean, all there's all sorts of different. Variables involved in this, um, you know, and she might have been sitting there, you know, they're making sure that he didn't drink any of their blood. Meanwhile, she's she's sitting there going, "How do you not get the sheet caught in the mechanism as it's lifting the body <laughs> onto the?" <laughs>
1: Maybe that's,
0: maybe she was still thinking about that during that one, the one award season where they, they had the, the gift of her, like (laughs) doing like 50 million different emotional responses (laughs) in five seconds. She could still have been trying to figure that out. Oh my God. I would love that.
1: That is, that is literally the greatest explanation for that gift because I've always wondered like, what was Winona thinking? And she probably was like, but the mechanism was under the bed, and then how did they just rise yeah. it up without making those sheets just crumble? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah that, is, that is genuinely what Winona was thinking, this whole time.
0: Um. <laughs> I am glad that we have solved one of the greatest mysteries of the universe. It is literally today.
1: the greatest. Next, world peace. Let's, <laughs> let's just go for that next.
0: Um. Yeah, I... Uh, it's the movie. The movie to me gets a little weird at the end just because it keeps feeling like they're obvious answers. Like at one point in my notes, I just wrote chain her up. (laughs) And like, I'm just saying they're going like, cause I'm literally like Van Helsing, you know what's going on. And yet her tugging down on her dress you're totally falling for it right now. Like, yeah, I, I don't get that. Um, but then, you know, they, they keep taking her with her for everything. And I was just like, I get that we're technically using her as bait, but we also know that if she gets a little too under his spell, she can do things. So
1: exactly. That was kind of what I took is that, you know, Van Helsing is, but a mere man. And, um, you know, when Mina is she's obviously going through a transitional period and she's becoming very raw and very sexual and and obviously Van Helsing being but a mere mortal man cannot resist the the sexual temptation of this beautiful young woman in front of him who he knows is potentially gonna turn into a vampire at any point. Um but you know uh, obviously, his penis is doing the thinking, and uh, he's yes. thinking, uh, "This this young lady is uh, mm, nice." Um, but um, yeah, it's um, it is a little bit ridiculous um, that that they, yeah, they, they seem quite intent on trusting her. Um, and to be fair to them, that, the fact that they do trust her kind of sorts itself out in the end because obviously she is the one who, uh, who deals the, the fatal blow to Dracula and then, oh, spoilers for, for the end of Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was about to say, uh, if, he
0: dies. yeah, <laughs> if anyone either a has never listened to to our show before and knows how we, we spoil things or B, uh, ha, has literally never heard the story of Dracula in any way, shape or form. I don't feel bad.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? I kind of don't either because I kind of feel like Dracula's a story that's been told many, many times. It's not been told this erotically, I don't think. Um, although I'm pretty sure there's oh, sure. a version
0: somewhere. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can track something down for sure. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I've Dracula's <laughs> Dracula's up there with like, you know, we don't need to tell you how Bruce Wayne's parents died. You know, we don't, well, you know. parents died? Oh, my girl, we got a lot of catching up to do with you. <laughs> um, I'm just going to, before you ever are on the show again, I'm just going to send you a list of, like, usual suspects, six cents, like, also, <laughs> you know, the Bible, just making sure. No, it's all right. Don't worry. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the most important things about this movie uh, that you and I talked about a little bit back when we we started talking about doing this was, of course, the amazing end credit song. (laughs)
1: Oh, 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 oh. Okay, is this where I... Go full Annie Lennox and start belting it out.
0: <laughs> if if the if the mood suits you.
1: I, to be honest, I don't think a your <laughs> listeners would appreciate that, and b I might actually lose you, a listener. <laughs> and, and I'm not you know I'm not being funny, but I'm kind of here to you know maybe entice some listeners to to listen or you know just just generally kind of bring a little bit of a fresh approach to movies after work. I am not, (laughs) I am not here to, uh, deafen anyone. (laughs) You,
0: you, you are here to elevate our little show to a, to a, a higher level of quality than, than, than we normally have it at. Um, and, and yes, obviously if you're, if you're on here, we're hoping that by the end of this episode, People have already turned it off and started listening to your episodes instead <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you one thing if I
1: start belting out love song for a vampire, that is it for me <laughs> I might as well
0: quit <laughs> well there's only one rule for for that, which that is absolutely the title of the song for those of you who have never heard this amazing song. Uh, the best way to to listen to it though is watching the music video where. Lennox literally is looking at the screen with a look that truly says, I am going to kill you. (laughs) I am angry at you. And it is, you're scared at how much you don't know why. So you can't apologize for it. (laughs) Like I watching that music video, I was sitting there going, this song is amazing. Gorgeous. But but mainly, I'm really sorry for whatever I did. I just don't know what it was.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, Annie Lennox is... I swear to God. I mean, there is there is a part of me that genuinely believes that I can sing like Annie Lennox. <laughs> and I do listen to a lot of Annie Lennox stuff. I listen to a lot of Eurythmics stuff. I adore Alan. I can't even say her words. I love her so much. Annie Lennox. I... I I think she's one of the most beautiful, talented singers that has ever existed in the world. Uh, Agreed. And and I I fell in love with this song pretty much as soon as I heard it. And I think it is a beautiful piece of music. And um, I genuinely want to sing it, but I kind of (laughs) don't. Because I feel like I would completely embarrass myself. Because I feel like the... um, the the quality of my singing is is best uh delivered in my kitchen uh, which is where i do most of my performances uh so and i'm not in my kitchen right now so yeah. I, I feel like i wouldn't be able to give the best performance that i could give so i would implore people to most... <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of ever listening to me sing, unless it's in my kitchen um go and uh, definitely listen to the Annie Lennox Love Song for a Vampire because it is a beautiful, beautiful uh, song. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's gorgeous. But The music video is slightly terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that, but the yes. song is gorgeous.
0: Yes. Um, and most, most of my singing is done um, in the car uh, oh. once I'm absolutely sure that all the windows have been rolled up. <laughs> um, that is how I do most of my singing. So I understand... Um who knows maybe maybe we'll do maybe we'll have a poll on Twitter of who wants to hear your cover of the song I
1: mean I I genuinely want to do it because I love the song but I feel like it would ruin I feel like it would ruin this whole episode and I feel like it would ruin Francis Ford Coppola and Gary Oldman and everyone who's worked on this movie I this movie is Terrible at a lot of things, um, including script and <laughs> performances from most people. But this movie is absolutely gorgeous, and I will not taint it <laughs> well, by, uh, by
0: singing Annie Lennox. We, we, so. will, we will make it a life goal right here, right now. At some point here, we will dream of a day where we end up, you know, we find ourselves in your neck of the woods or you find yourself in our neck of the woods and we will make a pseudo parody music video version of it with you singing. The song as normal, staring <laughs> angrily into the camera and then we'll intercut it with even more random, debatably incorrect images from the movie. <laughs> Whereas they clearly only had what was in the trailer to work with for the music video. Yeah. Cause when I'm thinking like the beautiful chorus of the song, I'm really not thinking Gary Oldman in a gigantic bat suit dropping from the ceiling at me.
1: <laughs> I mean, no, but that does look really cool. <laughs> it does.
0: No, it looks <laughs> and, uh, cool. Yes. Just.
1: Yeah, it really does. But, it, but when I think of the phrase love song for a vampire, I think of love. I think of, romance i think of sex i think of you know all of those kind of things you know courting um i I kind of don't think of a big bat
0: (laughs) you you don't think of getting turned on petting a a wild wolf while a nickelodeon of a naked lady plays behind you
1: how do you know my dreams
0: you know i'm i've always been good at randomly guessing
1: to be fair, a lot of my dreams do involve Keanu Reeves in some, in some way. Um, not really from this movie, though. I have to <laughs> be honest. Um, although he does look hot, and um, yes, yeah, uh, I think I, I I sent you a promo image, I believe, uh, of of when he was promoting this particular movie, and he's kind of in a in a suit, um, you know, with his hair kind of slicked back, and he's just like. Oh phenomenal.
0: Uh, <laughs> we, we, we bonded a lot over how nice it is to look at him prep really in the preparation it. for this episode. Do
1: you know what I was actually thinking I was I was trying to go back and think, you know when did we first start talking? And I, I believe it started with John Carter um, and, <laughs> and it might have because been I know That was a movie that you really did not like. And then I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot to like about John Carter. (laughs) And then I think it was basically we we derived then that I was like this little positive ray of sunshine. (laughs) And that you guys basically hated everything. Um, (laughs) And um, and it just kind of grew from there, didn't it? And And then we discovered this. We had this one bond, this one kind of joint yeah. Love, so to speak, we were <laughs> polar opposites on everything, literally
0: everything else in the world, apart Keanu. from Keon <laughs> Well, no, I remember, I remember the big part of the start was at some point, I don't I remember how the conversation getting there, but me like jokingly saying that if you ever needed to come onto the show to get all the like swearing and filthy language out of your system, you're welcome. And then you ended up sending me a DM going, are, are you serious? Because, because, because I, I would love to, I would love to go on and swear some for you. <laughs> <Fuck> yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't get to
1: fucking swear. This shit's fucking awesome. <laughs> I, 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 there's a, there's a good reason I have a, a clean label on my show, and, um, and that's because. Uh, I just I just kind of... gen Because of the way I look into movies, I kind of feel like it's a bit inappropriate for me to swear. Mm. And I know that sounds ridiculous, and maybe that's just a little bit, like, British of me. I'm not sure. No. You know, but that's why I really love to kind of go into the people's shows, because I kind of get the opportunity to actually, A, talk to someone other than myself or my cat, because <laughs> sometimes she pops up on random episodes, and then I'm just sort of sitting there talking to my cat, like, randomly. Um, or... Just and, and then just like the the ability to be able to actually act like I normally act. Because when I talk to people, I don't talk the way I talk on my show. Oh, absolutely. So and I do swear in real life sometimes. I mean, heaven forbid, Jesus, you know, that, that someone that a lady such as myself would <laughs> curse in such foul offensive <laughs> language. But it's true, I I really do fucking swear.
0: <laughs> well and here's the point that like a lot of my friends know me well enough to, like, the me on, on, like, you know, when I'm on here, I have, you know, I swear a lot, I yell a lot, I braid Alex a lot, and, yeah, I, I generally can be like that a lot of the times with, with, my, with my friends, but most of the time, like, most of the time, I'm quiet. I'm not super, not necessarily because I'm shy, but I just, I'm just like, yeah, I don't need to comment on this, Mm -hmm. and I'll just walk around quiet, Um, so it's kind of weird, like, I, it's like once a week, I get to let out all the pent-up energy that I, (laughs) that I've been holding back at work.
1: Yeah, I think, because I think that genuinely people believe that if you, if you have a podcast, then you must be extroverted. You know, you must love talking about yourself or listening to the sound of your own voice. And um, let me tell you people who are listening that that is is completely not the case whatsoever. I mean, for me personally, I am a complete introvert. Just, you know, genuinely, um, I... I really struggle to listen to my own voice. Like I'm glad that I'm not listening to myself right now because I probably sound absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 listen, I have to listen back to my own shows because I have to edit them. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I sound horrible. <laughs> I, I,
0: I struggle listening to our shows um, on a good day. I feel like I sound like Kevin Smith. Every other day,
1: you sound like Kevin Smith.
0: Every other day of the week, I'm usually just like, I don't know whose voice that is, but he needs to stop talking.
1: It is. It is very strange because, yeah, trying listening to your own voice, I that you, you, it's something that you have to do because at the end of the day, you have to edit your podcast in some way, and you have to obviously make sure it's audible ish. Yeah, (laughs) and you know you have to check that, but it's. It's really hard. It's you, you. It's a specific skill, I think, to to not only have a podcast and run a podcast and maintain a podcast and all of that sort of stuff that goes with podcasting as well. And I still believe genuinely that independent podcasters are the greatest, most hardworking, uh, you know, most brilliant. People in the world. Uh, oh, obviously, yeah. you guys—you guys are included in that. Oh well,
0: thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, a it's, it's just like
0: a general statement of everyone. Everyone's uh, great. You guys can be in this.
1: <laughs> everything is awesome. Uh, <laughs> everything is cool when you work as a team. I'm not singing that one either.
0: <laughs> I, I won't either, and I will. I will say that, not to not to pick fights with anyone. I do prefer the you're my best friend song from Lego Batman over everything is awesome in the Lego movie. Mm, Controversial. Yeah, I can be very controversial. I still can't (laughs) believe how controversial my, I don't use milk in my cereal tweet was. That was literally just a joke on all the hot takes that were like flooding my Twitter feed. So I was just like, fine, I'm going to do one too. I don't use milk. And then how many responses? This is getting out of
1: hand. Yeah, you do find that with Twitter though, like Yeah. It, it's very easy to misconstrue a piece of text and sarcasm doesn't really come across very well on on Twitter. So, which is very
0: unfortunate is for problem. me. <laughs> That's a big struggle for me. And
1: yeah, it's I I do find that social media has its positives, but yeah, it it there, there is a lot of negativity, um, just generally. And I like to be a very positive person. I don't like, as as you as you know, uh, with John Carter and yeah. Jupiter ascending. Uh, <laughs> I like, I like to, to see the positives in in certain situations and certain people. And and even I really struggle with certain factions on Twitter and um, the way that people think. I really struggle to understand how certain people think. Uh, because mm. I don't think that way and I know that sounds that might sound a little bit closed-minded but I, I like I liked to believe genuinely that people are, are nice and kind and the world is a lovely place to be and then you know when you read about terrible things that happen and or bad people and other people support that and I'm just like I don't get why people are into that I yeah I don't I, I feel like no. I'm kind of I'm dra- dragging this down on a bit of a no. uh, different note um, no. because we and, are here to talk and, about Dracula
0: and, <laughs> and this is but this is I mean this is part of why you're such a great f- breath of uh, fresh air for for the podcast the like for the the film podcast uh, community it's part of why I think you've gained such a great following and fan base so quickly uh, I, is be- I don't have a fan base I would disagree. I, and every single time you, the, the, amount of, the amount of love that I see through comments and retweets on the stuff that you put on online, you've, you know, it's, it's your, your fellow people in the community are, are a big part of it. You know, we, you know, that's, there's, there is a, you know, you, you bring a great, fresh, positive, positive, look into things and it's part of what makes your show so great to listen to. Um, and that's just, you know, it's the reality of it.
1: No, fa- thank you for saying so. I mean, I, I just genuinely believe I've always had this belief in, you know, you, you kind of, you get, you get the best out of something if you kind of give it in return. Uh, and Uh and I always, I, I always genuinely believe that in order to be supported, you need to be supportive and mm-hmm. you need to kind of be there for, for, you know, other podcasters. And obviously yeah. there's a lot of podcasters out there and it's, it's impossible to kind of listen to everyone and to follow everyone and to comment on everyone. Absolutely. But I, I really try very hard to, to just to try and, and be as supportive as possible because I kind of feel like that's what I would want in return. And that's all yeah. it is it's it's not there's no kind of ulterior motive or anything in in anything that I do because I genuinely kind of love the community and and I, I love doing what I do but I kind of just feel like you can't you can't take from the community and take and take and take without giving
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's like any it's like any relationship isn't it it's like it's very much like the relationships in in Dracula in the <laughs> in that there's a lot of of one-sided giving or, or taking.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was worried about where we you were going to go to, with this, but I, I can agree, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of
1: feel like maybe we need to steer the topic back onto Dracula, because I'm <laughs> uh, not being funny, no, no, none of your listeners want to listen to me prattle on about the podcasting. Oh, they... Because uh, that, that's not why they're here. <laughs> if, they, if,
0: if they listen to, to me rant and ramble and give my... I think I've, I think I've proposed like three or four different Marvel movies at this point on our show. Um, so if they can listen to all that, I'm sure that they're happy to listen to, to you talk a little bit about the podcasting community, but, um, yeah, I mean in a, in a final thought towards Dracula, what, you know, we usually do, you know, what, would you recommend this to people You know, to watch, to rent, to own—you know, anything of that nature. Like, what would you recommend it as to people?
1: I would definitely recommend that people watch it if they haven't, only because, as a movie experience, as a as a visual movie experience, as a, um, as in a very uh, practical effects-driven movie experience, because I there were Hollywood now is so very focused on CGI and and that's great and I I'm never I'm never gonna knock CGI in a sense that it can look really good it makes a lot more things possible especially when you're talking about things like science fiction and that sort of thing things that were um, practical effects simply just wouldn't kind of cut the mustard yeah and I, I do believe there is a genuine requirement for for cgi in movies um i just really really love the the time and effort and clear kind of visible hard work that goes into practical effects oh absolutely it's, it's, it's something that i I'm very very passionate about and it's unfortunately something that it seems to be a bit of a dying art and it's something that I always try and highlight um when I talk about movies on my podcast especially because I feel like people need to know especially like younger people maybe people who maybe didn't even know this movie existed um and have grown up sort of in the Sort of superhero era of movies where ev- pretty much everything is CGI and, and filmed on on green screen um, yeah. and that sort of thing. Because although this movie was <laughs> completely filmed on a sound stage, and you can tell, because yeah. this is the movie from ninety two, so you can tell it's filmed on a sound stage. Oh
2: yeah,
1: but it's there is so much love and care into the practical effects. Obviously, things like the bed, things like. Uh, Dracula crawling down the wall—it just looks so good. Yeah. And things like, um, oh, I was just thinking of it. It's just gone out of my mind. I might—I'll see if I can remember that. But it's—it's it's a bit. It feels very much like uh, this is a movie that is very reminiscent of old Hollywood. In a oh, sense absolutely. That it's the way that it's filmed and shot is—it feels like it's almost like a movie of three parts for me. In that it starts as a very kind of um, old, maybe like thirties sort of
2: uh, yeah,
1: style that. in the style of Nosferatu or or something <coughs> or something along those lines. Yeah. With with the way it's filmed and the way it's obviously on a soundstage, and when Jonathan is obviously reading his letters yes um, and then and then it kind of moves into the when you actually meet dracula himself oh that was it i was going to mention the shadow work
0: oh the shadow um, work in the movie is brilliant
1: it's absolutely outstanding and you can kind especially of
0: especially in the map room
1: yes yeah you can kind of tell it's not quite synchronized as i think if it, if that was done nowadays A, it would be CGI, which would really ruin the effect Um, and B, I think if it was practical it would be a little bit more synchronised because you can kind of tell it's not quite maybe that's just me being a bit of a dork and like really kind of closely looking, Um, but that sort of stuff, it just just looks so good and it really kind of amps up this kind of creepy who is this guy, obviously we know he's Dracula but Jonathan is like, who is this guy, Um, and it's the, the, the effects are really, really effective. Uh, yeah. Kind of repeating myself. But, um, and then you kind of get to this. So the middle part is like, wait, you've kind of got all this sexy stuff. And obviously, when Dracula is enchanting Lucy specifically, uh, is very sexy. The scene in the, the garden when he's like a wolf. Um, and I actually found that quite sexy. And I was a bit like. Should I be finding this sexy? That's, is that weird?
0: Hey, I don't know. Power to um, me. But, I, I, I found myself with her talking afterwards going, man, he's rusty. <laughs> Just, uh, he, he's rusty. That's...
1: <laughs> and, then, and then at the end it's more like a bit of an adventure kind of thing when they go off to
0: Transylvania.
1: Yeah. I kind of feel like there is a little bit of something for everyone in this movie, as long as you're not looking for the romance element and you're not looking for a cohesive, you know, character development or, or or plot, because the plot is very basic. It's it's but it's the standard kind of Dracula story that everyone knows, and I kind of feel like it's a good thing they didn't deviate too much from that because it is a very well-known story they're very well-known characters and I kind of I do feel like it's one of those movies that we would probably never see again and so for that reason I would definitely recommend people see it um, I think you could probably buy it reasonably cheap anyway If uh, I mean I, I, my DVD is really old I was trying to remember when I bought my DVD and I think I bought it in the late '90s, so uh, yeah,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if you could go to a five-dollar bin somewhere to to pick up a DVD of this.
1: Because
0: mm. um, yeah, I can't remember I- part of this because I can't remember the last time that they made prints of this on DVD or Blu-ray, so that'll play a big part into it.
1: Yeah, like I said, mine mine was super old. Um, I know I've had it for a long time. And and to be honest, I probably only bought it because I remembered it being some epic (laughs) love story. And then, obviously, nowadays, I'm like, this is a terrible example of a love story. Like People should not base their romantic relationships on this in any way, unless uh, Keanu Reeves is listening, because obviously he would be, in which case... um, he needs to call me, uh, so we can uh, have a little bit of a discussion about his performance in this movie, and uh, yeah, whether he wants to uh,
0: call me next, know,
1: <laughs> re, uh, redo the uh, that scene on the bed. Because I'm pretty certain, if I made some changes to my bed, I'm pretty certain it would do that. <laughs> just going to put like a mechanism in there he's going to be lying there and all of a sudden I'm just going to like you know rise up sort of from between the sheets and he's going to be like whoa this is exactly like what (laughs) happened to me in uh, 1992
0: yes so yeah (laughs) Keanu if you ever if you ever want to know what's supposed to happen when you get obscured with peacock feathers you know who to call now (laughs) You know what's supposed to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree that this is this is a movie for people to watch. Um, this to me, it's like a Friday night drinking game kind of movie. Um, you know, take a drink every single time you get a a full view of the the bustier that is Dracula's breast hair. When when Keanu Reeves first meets him, um, you know, sit there and try to work out the physics of how. Ben Helsing gets snow to catch on fire to get their little ring of fire there near the end of the movie. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Literally, literally that happened. And I just sat here and thought, you know, I play, I spent most of my teenage years playing with fire in some capacity. I could never get snow to just catch on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I, I clearly have been playing with the wrong type of snow. (laughs)
1: Special Transylvanian, exactly. flammable snow, uh, only available in certain uh, towns and villages in Transylvania, I, which is a country that no longer exists. So yeah, unfortunately, snow a, also no longer exists.
0: I have a I have a aunt that's from like that that area, like Romania and all that yeah, sort of like stuff. Romania. I have an aunt from that, so I need to I need to ask her what it was like with the flammable snow growing up. <laughs> or, she's gonna. Or, you know, this was early 90s when they thought the whole climate thing was going to go a different way. So maybe they actually set this movie after the nuclear winter. That's the other option. Yeah,
1: you just don't know. Francis Ford Coppola is a genius. Yeah. You just you just don't know
0: what he's capable of. Yeah, like, you know, every now and then he can make a brilliant movie. And then every now and then you can go, wait, so what is Robin Williams' role in this Francis Ford Coppola movie? <laughs> I haven't seen that's one I need to see. I haven't seen that one in ages. I need no. to give that one a rewatch. Um, now of course the burning question I have for you, um, oh. before we we have to part ways here is of course, which was better? John Carter or Jupiter ascending?
1: That I've covered one of them on my podcast, and the other one I have not. Um, so I would have to say John Carter. Thank you. Purely because I I do genuinely believe that there is a great movie in John Carter hidden underneath the uh, That's what I said. dust of Barsoom. Um, but yeah, John Carter has a lot of problems, but it's it's not as terrible as people say that it is. Uh, and Jupiter Ascending also has a lot of problems, <laughs> um, but I, I, I have this genuine love I think for the Wachowskis and and their particular um, vision uh, for for the movies that they make yeah. because they I... are one of the rare kind of uh, directors in Hollywood who, I mean, I know that they have uh, adapted some works like speed racer and, and all of that
0: yeah but, well and I, th- I thought cloud atlas was quite quite brilliant
1: well do you know what i've not seen cloud atlas so I it's on my list actually my big my big podcast list uh podcast no not podcast <laughs> podcast that's the one um, <laughs> so hopefully at some point i will cover cloud atlas it's a little um,
0: bit of a homework assignment to be sure but it's
1: okay it's a good movie but um I I just genuinely feel like they obviously have big ideas and I love that they have these big ideas and sometimes they deliver with The Matrix and which is a phenomenal movie absolutely a, absolutely phenomenal achievement in filmmaking and special effects and casting and obviously another Keanu Reeves uh, vehicle um but just one of the most thoughtful um movies and with so many layers and i kind of feel like they had this idea for jupiter ascending and they wanted to tell this story and then i just feel like it's obviously just got really muddled uh um, yeah there are, there are parts of it that i genuinely think well that's quite an interesting thing this whole interspecies thing and and why why are why have they mixed these species together like I want to know more about this kind of culture and this history, and and but then it, I got so confused with all of the character names, and and I was like, but who's that? Like, what is that person doing? I don't get. Like, why is that dinosaur wearing a coat?
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's and, it's not so yeah. much that they built a universe as they threw they made a bag full of slips of paper that had ideas for things mm-hmm. in a universe. Like, yeah, dinosaur yeah, in a leather jacket, in the bag!
1: Yeah, yeah, and I kind of feel, like, I, I love Mila Kunis, I, I I think she's absolutely gorgeous, I really do, like, she she's probably kind of up there as, like, the ideal woman, like, the way she looks and the way she kind of acts, and I love her voice, and I, I just, I love Mila Kunis, I think she's absolutely stunning, um, but... So for me, it was like, well, Mila Kunis is headlining this movie, even though she's kind of not because I think Channing Tatum has higher billing than I, Mila Kunis.
0: Yeah, but, uh, and I'm Chuck not fully, him. I'm not fully convinced that if this franchise had continued, that it wouldn't have continued to feel more like it was about him than her.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, and I kind of feel like at the end of the day, if, if she's going to be the ruler of Earth or whatever, then surely she's the main character. <laughs> not, I mean. Channing Tatum is Channing Tatum and I will I will always be happy to watch Magic Mike I don't, it's got no story it's got absolutely <laughs> nothing look, like in in the realms of storytelling, Magic Mike is like 0 out of 10, but in the realms of dance and and watching phenomenally choreographed dance moves and just generally watching Channing Tatum dance, it's a fucking 10 out of 10 from me and that's the only reason you would watch Magic Mike is for the dancing. You don't watch it for anything else. You watch it for Channing Tatum getting his clothes off. And it as a movie with Channing Tatum getting his clothes off, it's perfection.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I you know, I won't lie if I have to choose in that, in that realm of filmmaking, as most of my friends are probably could probably guess, I'll go full Monty before I go Magic Mike, but that's just me.
1: Well, the full Monty is, is a classic British movie. and, it's it's one of those that always brings a bit of a smile to my face because it's that movie is wonderful. It's based on a true story. It's set in Sheffield, which isn't a particularly sexy British city, um, <laughs> but it's got a great soundtrack. Um, and so I haven't seen it for a long time, but I would happily sit and watch The Full Monty. But I just kind of don't get the same kind of raw sexual magnetism from The Full Monty that I get with Magic Mike. Well, but not with that maybe, attitude. Maybe that's just me. Maybe yeah. maybe that that's a fault with me and not a fault with anything that happens in the full Monty. Um coincidentally, um I don't know, actually. Maybe maybe you might know. Is there a movie that exists where Keanu Reeves dances?
0: You know, I that's some homework. That's something we can uh, that we can kinda See if we can track down. I'll I'll try to track one down for you. I'll try to track down some Keanu Reeves dancing for you.
1: Only because there is... So basically, Keanu Reeves is the pinnacle of manhood. We've already established this. I don't care if he's terribly miscast in this movie. He is the pinnacle of everything that a woman wants in a man is Keanu Reeves. But... There's one but. Is... That... For me, a man... Who dances is the sexiest thing that you uh, like you know like when when uh, well we call it strictly come dancing but like dancing with the stars when you watch like mm-hmm. a male dance on something like dancing with the stars and the way that they move it's just like it's hypnotic and Channing Tatum has that because obviously with his dance background and and Magic Mike it's it's hypnotic to watch it really is and I kind of feel like for Keanu if he can dance. And if there's, a, if there's like visual proof that he can dance, he just literally goes into the stratosphere like there is literally no one who can catch him and
0: maybe, and maybe he hasn't done any dancing just just to be careful just just so there isn't that implosion I do or kind of or to not make other people women, feel bad.
1: All of the women in the world would just like orgasm at the same time. <laughs> explosion of orgasm, like, realizing that Keanu Reeves can dance.
0: <laughs> It'd just be like watching this movie on repeat for, like, five minutes? <laughs> yeah, basically. The... Just all
1: of the orgasm scenes, like, one after the other, That it would just basically be like that, but, like, mega loud. And everyone would be doing it at once. It would, like, simultaneous. It'd be like, um, you know when they do those mass... Um, when they get all those people together to do a dance, like in Times Square. Um, oh, like a
0: flash mob sort of thing. Like a
1: flash mob, yeah. It'd be like that, but it'd be like the world's biggest orgasm flash mob.
0: So basically, just one of these days, I'm I'm gonna be laying in bed. My I'm just gonna hear my wife go off real like real quick, and I'm just gonna go. Oh, Kiana did a samba. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. It's just so that you know, so you're not. You know, overly concerned. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, knowing... wife's well-being, because uh, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. Know? So. <laughs> so just, just knowing... putting it out
0: there, just letting... I, I look forward to the uh, the, quitter, the, or the Twitter conversation right after between you and the ladies of Black Girls Do Stuff Too. <laughs> I already know that. Like, like did you heal the... <laughs>
1: just give me like messaging each other go, did you feel it? And we'll be like, yes, <laughs> still feeling it. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what? Yeah. It that that is genuinely what's gonna happen. Oh
0: <laughs> uh, uh, and uh oh my
1: god like what 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 have you done? <laughs> what have you done to me? Like I'm so I'm so demure and so ladylike <laughs> normally <laughs> You've broken me. I,
0: you know, I all hate.
1: Ma- all made me better.
0: I, I hate. I hate to say it, but I, I do have that effect of just kind of corrupting people. Um, <laughs> I've, I've I, been. <laughs> hey, my. I need no, no corruption. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm already pretty corrupted. <laughs> my, my wife was very nice, polite when when we met. Now she swears worse than me. Now she is even worse than me with the vulgarity. So No, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I believe that your
1: wife is the most beautiful, most perfect, serene, lovely woman in the entire world. I I I cannot believe that uh, your wife swears like that.
0: She's she's absolutely beautiful, but it's that swearing is part of what makes her perfect. <laughs>
1: Find yourself a woman who swears. Uh <laughs> they are they are
0: the best. Yes, any any guys out there that, that need a good bit of dating advice, it's find a girl who swears so much that all your guy friends have their jaws drop after an evening with her. Just talking. We're <laughs> just like an after a night at the, you know, a night out at like the a bar or something talking to her, all your friends are just jaw on the floor like holy crap. Get a bar of soap. I thought I was bad. The second one of your friends says, and I thought I was bad. You found the right girl. Marry her.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like if I often feel like if obviously I'm not a guy, but I, I do have quite a lot of like guy friends and I, I work exclusively with men as well. So I, I kind of feel like I, I have this inbuilt ability to understand Men in a way, a bit like um, a bit like that Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want, except not Mel Gibson, nowhere near Mel
0: Gibson. I was about to say it's it's Mm. that, except for yeah, a woman who understands men and who doesn't, you know, hate Jewish people. So yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Actually, I think there was a remake recently of that where it yes, where it was um, um, Taraji P Henson. Yes, who is infinitely better in every single way than Mel Gibson.
0: Oh yes, I agree. (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah, so I, because I, I kind of work exclusively with men that, that makes me sound like maybe I work in a certain area of of business. I I don't, um, I, I work in it, so it's, it's generally pretty much like 99% dudes and me. Um, but I do kind of, because I hang around with a lot of guys, I, I tend to kind of pick up certain things about you know when guys kind of talk and and stuff like that and so i've always kind of felt like people people tend to see women as one thing in a sense that oh you know she's an attractive woman or whatever but when men tend to get a bit surprised i think that there are women out there that a swear oh naughty know yeah. why would you do that that's horrendous um and and women that you know maybe like things like comic books um yeah. things like action movies you know it's like why women that i thought all women like romantic comedies uh no hello yeah. um and and i do think there is this general kind of perception maybe that women like certain things and they aren't, like, aren't allowed to like other kind of things, and so generally, I always find that when men meet me, they often they think they think that I'm like normal, <laughs> 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 and then and then they realise, oh, she likes John Carter. What's wrong with us? <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, genu- I genuinely think that men men see a beautiful woman. i not that I'm saying I'm beautiful by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus Christ. No, but, um, you know, any, literally any woman. Um, and I think that they automatically have this, um, perception of how she might be. And, and then they get a little bit surprised, um, when she turns out to not be exactly what they think. Um, and I kind of feel like that's, that's like a little special trick, Kind of that, I like to kind of hide from people until until they actually like meet me. Um, obviously,
2: fun, obviously on the podcast, now. it's
1: pretty. You know, people know. If I ever met anyone that you know who listens to me on the podcast who's not who doesn't already know me in real life, obviously they would know <laughs> what I'm like. But I'm talking about like if I started talking to a guy in a bar or something like that. Yeah, um, they they might by looking at me, they might think something. Um, and it turns out that I'm A complete weirdo <laughs> Who knew um, But yeah, unless he's Keanu Reeves I'm kind of not interested So I'm um, still waiting For your call Keanu, uh, anytime Let me know
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, Yeah, Keanu definitely Listens to the show I really My, hope so I, This is the
1: only reason I agreed to come on I hope you know that I, I, like I had this
0: well, I hope I hope he does too, because I really want to look at my wife and go, "Look, even Keanu Reeves is listening." When are <laughs> you gonna When are you gonna turn the an episode on? <laughs> okay, she has she has listened to an episode. <laughs> in her oh, defense, at least, at least she's listened to one. Yeah, well, and in her defense, I I I was teasing her about it back when she was like marathoning her way back through Jane the Virgin to rewatch. And that's one of her favorite shows. So I Such I picked Christmas a terrible thing. time to ask her to do anything else.
1: Yeah, well, don't interrupt Jane the Virgin because it is a great show. Yeah, um, it, it's a show that I'm very sad has ended because it is brilliant.
0: That I'm, I'm sad that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend ended because that... Oh
1: my God, I was just going to say Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
0: <laughs> not only is that an amazing show, but as somebody who... You know, had like takes, you know, the antidepressant medication, you know, stuff, you know, had deals with deals with some of the stuff that her character has dealt with. The seeing that kind of representation has been phenomenal. Um, and I did try to convince my wife to let our first dance song be settled for me from season one. She would not allow it. I remember
1: us talking about that. And yeah. I said that's a terrible choice because she's not settling for you. <laughs> so i completely agree with your wife absolutely because that's a song about you know i know that i'm really not good enough for you but it's okay let's just do it anyway and i'm like yeah okay i would greg but well that's that
0: that's what i pretty much say half the time anyway
1: (laughs) what i would greg
0: no well we we constantly say how much we miss greg in our house but no, I'm. I constantly am making jokes of like, "Hey, thanks for, uh, th- thanks for lowering the bar and marrying me." Thank you. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> that's that's my primary form of humor is self-deprecation. If I don't have that, then I don't have much comedy to go off of. <laughs> well, to be fair.
1: British people are the kings and queens of self-deprecation, so maybe you're really a secret Brit, a may- maybe you're putting on an accent right now, maybe you're the only American in the world who can do a decent British accent, or maybe you're the only British person, because you're really British, and you actually, I'm getting so confused with myself now, <laughs> I said,
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're making me out to be so much more interesting than I am, and I appreciate you so much for that. <laughs>
1: It's good. That's My right. my my brain is it, it's it's almost it's like 10 p.m. here, so I'm like yeah. I, I, My brain is, is sort of strong It's starting to like shut down. It's a bit like Windows 95, and it it takes like several hours to like run through all the outstanding programs and like shuts down, and then like blue screen of death comes oh, yeah. on <laughs> at some point. So
0: no, yeah. my my if if my if I was a computer, I'd. Yeah, I'd be, like, Windows 95 still still trying to load up because it can't decide whether or not it wants to be in safe mode or not. <laughs> I, I've got that same thing going. but oh, those those heady
1: days of the Windows
0: 95. I, one of these days, I just want to sit a bunch of kids complaining about their phones not working in a room together, and then without them knowing, just turn on that old dial-up modem sound and just have oh, that no. blare in a room for them. <laughs> just have to hear can that. You imagine for a while.
1: they would not have a clue. They'd be like, "What's that noise?" Oh, they screeching noise. They
0: panic. They'd like, like the apocalypse oh, no, is let, happening. Let's That's it. it. And
1: then and then Google would take 20 minutes to load up. And they'd be like, "What's
0: going on?" <coughs> yeah, it's something they don't
1: be able to cope.
0: Not at all. Um I feel
1: like- about dracula at all <laughs> no
0: we we spoke a good deal about dracula we spoke a very good deal about dracula um
1: do you want to speak about dracula
0: anymore i'm i'm all set i was gonna say let's uh we can we can wrap things up get you uh get you to bed so that way you can uh get through your day tomorrow and
1: probably dream about keanu at yeah. <laughs> Probably dream about Keanu dancing, probably like, ah, oh, me and Keanu doing a foxtrot, that sounds lovely.
0: That's all I'll probably do this this evening, is try to find it somewhere for you.
1: I would love that, if you could find Keanu Reeves dancing, like, even if he's just doing the funky chicken, or whatever, <laughs> I'm literally not picky,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Keanu
1: Reeves He could literally be doing, like, a side step shuffle. He doesn't even have to be doing, like, full John Travolta Saturday Night Fever or anything. Like, I will take that.
0: (laughs) I will see what I can find for you. Yes! Life made. (laughs) Well, again, guys, make sure that you, uh... Make sure that you check out Verbal Diorama, if you haven't already. I imagine that most people that listen to our show have listened to yours, but if for some reason you haven't, go on, give it a listen. Um if you want to make it feel like it's some sort of six degrees of separation thing, turn on sky captain. Cause Lucy oh, in this gotcha. movie was married to sky captain from that movie. So she was indeed. She was. you can get a little, you can do a little six degrees of separation on that. Um, and then you can and also, it's a wonderful movie. yeah, and you can, you know, you guys, as you all know, you can always follow, follow us here on at movies, work on Twitter. Uh, where can they follow you at?
1: It's really easy. It's just at
0: verbal diorama. Everywhere. There we go.
1: So, because I chose a weird name for my podcast. So that's, it wasn't taken.
0: It's a fantastic name for a podcast. It's <laughs> it, weird. It's it took us half a day for ours, I'm sad to say. But <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you so much for for coming on and chatting about this uh this fantastic oddity of a film
1: thank you so much for having me i've had such a brilliant time honestly um i was so looking forward to it and um it's kind of surpassed my expectations because i always get a little bit nervous when i go on other people's shows because obviously as i've said i i don't really talk like this on my podcast (laughs) because i'm talking to myself um and with the best will in the world, you can't really have a decent conversation with yourself um, in, in this kind of capacity where you've got two versions of opinions. Uh, no, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, but it's it's been so much more. I knew it would be fun, but it's been so much more fun than I thought it would be. If you know what I mean? Like, oh, in yeah. The best possible way.
0: It's uh, this this will definitely have to. We'll have to figure out another movie to do here in the future. Um, definitely revisit this if we if it turns out that there is a movie that involves lots of Keanu Reeves dancing, then we just might have to get back together for that one. Just and I, we'll just we'll just talk about him dancing the whole time.
1: The the problem with that is it's literally is that not literally just going to be me orgasming over and over again on a podcast though. Is that really what people want
0: to hear? Uh, I. Uh, I'm not sure. And Again, okay, so we I'm can d- do another poll on Twitter for that. <laughs>
1: A. Do you want her to
0: sing Addie Lennox? <laughs> B. Or B. Or do you just or want B. her continuously orgasming? <laughs> I kind of
1: think, like, what's the lesser of two evils? Uh, hmm. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, oh. I really want
1: to sing that song. <laughs>
0: And as soon as we get off, you're gonna run into your kitchen, and start building it. I have no doubt. But again, thank you so much for for coming on. This has been a blast. We will have to do this again. Yes. Um. Yeah. And again, uh, for for movies after work, this is Thomas Green for both myself and for for Alex. And uh, thank you again, Verbal Diorama, for coming on. And hey, everyone, have a good day at work tomorrow. Bye-bye.